Welcome to another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy. And today we're going to have a... Continue. <laughs> well, Whoa, that's pretty cool. Today we're going to have a casual and informal discussion about the Star Trek The Next Generation episode uh, a season. Emma is asking, Am I inter is she interrupting the show? Oh, it's the show has frozen. You froze the freeze. show. show. Tell her not to freeze the show. Just kidding. <laughs> All right. So uh, she's Can welcome to come. Me? Yeah. Can you Ooh. hear her? Hi. Hi, Emma. Hi. You're, you're live on our show right now. You're live on our show, babe. Okay. Hello. I'm on a show. Great. <laughs> Emma, uh, I have to tell you that uh, the doctor has been taking a special medication uh, from another planet, which is forcing him to uh, rapidly regenerate and turn young, younger than he is now. And so, okay, that was the plot of the, the episode. And the doctor's making a funny face. <laughs> Babe, can, can, can I call you back? <laughs> yeah. I can't believe this is going to be on the show. <laughs> okay, I love you, babe. Mwah. Mwah, bye. Bye. Okay. It's all on YouTube. It is on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm sorry. Hold my hand, babe. Do, 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 do. I've got you, babe. Do, 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 do. I've got you, babe. All right, very nice. <laughs> so, I guess I'll jump into the uh, episode summary, Doctor. Unless you, uh... you already summarized it. No, <laughs> you already summarized it. Let's go right into the discussion of the episode. All right. Well. Before we do that, though, so yeah, very simple plot. It's basically um, an old man uh, wanting to become young again. It's This episode is called Too Short a Season, and it uh, follows the end of the career of Admiral Mark J Jameson. And uh, he, uh, he apparently a very distinguished admiral who 40 years ago uh, negotiated a hostage release, but we, you know, find out later that the hostage uh, negotiations weren't quite as uh, uh, clean cut as we once thought. It ended up that he gave um, weapons to both factions in the disagreement, and that caused this planet um, to plummet into 40 years of civil war. And so the leader of the planet, who finally, I guess, unifies everyone through uh, brutal uh, warfare, uh, now has uh, staged another um, hostage situation very similar to the one that Admiral Jameson negotiated in the in, a, in the beginning of his career and has lured him uh, back to the planet to um, enact some kind of revenge on him. Uh, Admiral Jameson, who is now a very old man with an advanced uh, disease, which basically um, renders him an invalid, uh, has now taken a radical uh, kind of uh, therapy which is meant to uh, 
to be administered over two years, but takes it uh, very rapidly, and it causes him to uh, basically de-age, uh, anti-aging. He gets young very quickly within the span of a few hours, and uh, unfortunately, this uh, this treatment is not meant or designed to be uh, administered in this fashion. So it's the results are unstable, and he is he is dying. Uh, he meets his end on the planet with um, his foe, his enemy Karnak, who after his death forgives him. And that's the end of the that's this that's the actual episode summary. What do you think? That was pretty good, right? That was it. That's that is the episode. <laughs> so what'd you think? So what'd you think of it? I um I thought it was uh it was okay. Thought it was okay. <laughs> I it's you know, it wasn't um it, it's not a bad episode. First time you watch it, it's you know, entertaining, I'm sure. But uh, it doesn't really have much repeat value. And I think that mainly stems from the fact that none of the main cast are really invested in, in, in what's going on. They're, they're, merely, they're, they're just merely ob observers of this phenomenon of Jameson growing younger and younger and younger. But there's really no stakes. There's no, there are no high stakes involved for anybody. In this episode, uh, other than Jameson, and uh, I guess in a way, well, his wife, um, and Karnak, who in the beginning, I, I'm correct. How well do you, okay, when they first open Hailing Frequencies and they first speak to Karnak, Troy seems to have some weird feeling about him and some weird feeling about Jameson, but it's. Doesn't she? I don't know. Like, like, doesn't she? It, it, it does. There's something about that scene, about that scene that that seems to imply that it's it's a bit of a surprise when it's revealed that Karnak is the guy who's holding these hostages. You know, I was like, that's not. I, I don't know. It, it, it's it's suddenly. Oh, he has these hostages, and we never see these hostages, by the way. So, like, as a viewer, I, I don't even have a scene to make me care about them. It's all off off stage. Uh, and then Karnak is like, okay, I'll, I just wanted to get you down here and, and, and cuss you out. And, okay, we're going to bury you on our planet with full honors. I released the hostages. So it's like Karnak is just, you know, all over the map. Um, I mean, the actor manages to pull it off, but he really is all over the map. And um, uh, I don't know. The episode's okay. Um, I think. Well, go ahead. You, you talk for a while. I I, I I don't have much to say about it, really. <laughs> oh wow. Um, so I I like the episode, but more for the uh, the personal story. So you know, funny enough. Um, you know, immortality and uh, living for a long time happens to be one of my uh, not-so-secret uh, desires. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I would love it. I would love to uh, live longer than the normal human lifespan. I'm, you know, I'm in my late 30s. I don't really feel, you know, like, you know, I don't really feel like, oh, I have to, 
you know, rush and do all the things I want to yet. But I know at some point in our lives, we all get get to that point. Like I know that somewhere around your 60s maybe is when you start slowing down, which is better than it used to be. Mm-hmm. But um, it'd be great to live a thousand years. I mean, can you imagine all the things that you could see? It'd be great to live a little longer uh, just to see what's next and just to live a little more and just experience a little more. And I think that's what's at the heart of this episode is to show that this kind of uh, desire is a very uh, a very human desire is to is to keep going, to be young, to to keep working. You know, there's not an an end that that you can see. And even Admiral Jameson even says, you know, he almost died a few times on several missions, but somehow somehow he always pulled through. And, you know, there's something to say about the desire to live. However, what I love about this episode is that when you do things uh, and take shortcuts and do things kind of like in a way that's, uh, you know, the quick and easy, uh, the quick and easy result, oftentimes there is a price to pay or a consequence. And in this case, uh, that consequence was that um, Admiral Jameson uh, ended up dying. Um, and he was not able to accomplish what he actually wanted. So I like that side of the story. I didn't really care much about the um, the planet's uh, suffering or civil war because, as you said, it wasn't really fleshed out. And the te- you know the terrorists holding hostages that wasn't really like you know fleshed out more. That it was more like of a a background situation. Um, I did like that the ambassador to the planet is, was named after, or they you know they named him Ambassador Hawking. Uh, which might be uh, which might be a nod to Stephen Hawking, um, so I like that a little bit. But it would have been great to have seen uh, some scenes of the hostages, maybe uh, you know, so that we could empathize with them a little bit and and get a feel of the uh, the urgency or the uh, danger, if you will. So yeah, there wasn't really a lot of danger uh, present, but I think the story did a good job of conveying this man's. Uh, you know, kind of uh, vanity, if you will, and also his inconsiderateness. He doesn't think about his wife. He doesn't think about the Federation. He doesn't think about um, these people on the planet. Uh, his whole career is quick fixes. Like his his solution to the first hostage crisis was to give both sides uh, weapons. And, you know, he freed 63 people, but he ended up creating a civil war on this planet for 40 years. So it's just like, Again, Jameson is someone who gets results, has had a distinguished career, but how has he done it? And I think that's really at the heart of this episode. Yeah, uh, he's not a particularly sympathetic uh, lead character. I thought, you know, I I mean, I felt really sorry for his wife. Um, You know, the, the scene where... Uh, I, I think the scene still has some some genuine uh, dramatic shock, you know, when I mean, you, you see it coming that obviously, you know, he's explaining that he should have taken it over two years and he took it all in one shot. I expected that. But then when he says not only did he did he take his, he took hers, too. Right. He did. He did have the, the plan was to get them both to to rejuvenate. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, which, of course, begs the question, because uh, he does say that it was working up until he... Uh, yeah, so it's... Go ahead. The, it, apparently, the, the planet where this uh, compound 
uh, originates from. Uh, this is the this planet must have um, life forms that do re regenerate and live a long time uh, to a degree. But yeah, Gallifrey <laughs> was. I I find it hard to believe that. The, you, know, the, you know, they're in the constellation of uh, Castavarus, and I don't think that we found it yet. So does that mean that there actually is a, a cure for aging now? And Star, Star Trek doesn't really go back to it until, um, what's that movie, that TV movie? Oh, Star Trek Insurrection. That well, one. Well, Star Trek. And, so the thing about it is, is that um, you know, this is something that is actually quite relevant and current. I don't know about the time in 1989 when this episode was released, but uh, right now there are lots of scientists that are working on aging, and they're approaching aging as though it's an actual disease that can be cured. Um, and there's some really interesting uh, studies, everything from stem cells. Uh, to uh, drinking a kind of wine solution that will keep you younger and fit longer. Um, and then, of course, we know about this uh, famous immortal jellyfish whose name I can't remember. Do you know, do you know what I'm talking no, about? The, I don't know the name of the immortal, But do you know about the immortal jellyfish? I know about the immortal jellyfish. Yes. So, yeah, there's this, there is an animal on our planet. Um, here, I'm going to look it up real quick. Um, that is... Um, immortal for all intents and purposes it looks like this let me see if i can it looks like that's pretty cool cool looking thing and i think they're just calling it the immortal jellyfish <laughs> like, i think that's its actual name but it's a uh, its scientific uh designation is turritopsis dorni or dorni the immortal jellyfish so uh scientists are studying that guy or gal um, or it uh, <laughs> to to see if uh, they can unlock the the secrets of um, of aging in humans, um, and I could get into like some some pretty deep discussion about it. But the point is is that um, that's that's something that's very much um, you know close to being real in some way. Not like on Star Trek, or not like you know not like the Time Lords. At this point, but um, we're talking about uh, at some point maybe maybe people who are just being born now or uh, humans that are uh, still very young now, as they get older, they'll have access to uh, medical technology that will allow them to live well into their hundred and fifties or maybe even two hundreds. So it's pretty exciting. Um, I'm sure there are economists that disagree with you. <laughs> well, well, it's an interesting thing. I mean, like, um, you know, <laughs> I think that um, who would, you know, who wants to live forever? Who wants? <laughs> right, right. Um, it seems that the theme of many a science fiction and fantasy story is that it's a sad thing to live forever. I mean, Highlander both the original film and the subsequent television series really does a, a great job of, of conveying that message. Um, even on Doctor Who, you always see there's some price to be paid for living perhaps beyond your prescribed years. And, uh, and, and this episode, um, I mean, 
I, I think rather than rather than showing that there's a downside to to uh, you know uh, staying young, it's really a there's the folk the focus is on this guy's vanity. Um, I mean, he he really upsets his wife, and under understandably so. Um, he he just doesn't seem like a very nice guy, and yeah. I, and I think that's what kind of makes this episode not 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 very watchable. Um, there's really nothing, you know. He makes no real connections with any anybody else in the crew. Uh, beyond getting a little bit under Picard's skin, uh, <laughs> uh, this constant, well, I am the ranking senior officer aboard the ship, therefore I pick the away team and I do this and I do that, which, um, if, if I'm not mistaken, the, epi- the episode was was in part penned by DC Fontana, right? Yes. Okay, so then I, I imagine that maybe this was an idea that was you know, bandied about for the original series. And I can definitely see this episode in the context of the original series being very interesting because if there's anything that Captain Kirk despised more <laughs> was somebody uh, uh, butting heads with him in, in the sense of like, wait a minute, I'm the senior officer and I give orders. And that definitely always got under Kirk's skin. Picard, it's it's just kind of like a little. It, it's it, it kind of needles him, but Kirk always took that really to heart. And I I I, I think on the original series, maybe um, you would have had not only the plot of this guy growing younger, but it would have been paralleled with Kirk's insecurity about perhaps losing the ship. You know, because, uh, you know, maybe uh, for all we, you know, it, it could have been this admiral who wants his command back and he would yeah. have wanted the Enterprise. Uh, that that would have been interesting. But it it didn't seem like it was really, you know, for in the, in the context of Next Generation, it just wasn't wasn't relevant. And it seems it, like everybody just takes a back seat to this it, to the story of this really unlikable guy. I mean, he is he is unlikable. But then at the same time. His wife, who's a very likable character, seems to love him immensely, you know. And I think that was a great, great um, thing to introduce her and and bring her along. It's a, mystery, it's a mystery why she, why she loves him. <laughs> only well, at the very end, at the very end, when he has that line, uh, "Oh, Anne of the Golden Hair," and she says, "Oh, it's it's no longer golden; it's gone white." And he says, "Well, your hair is still golden." looks it looks still golden to me and so it's a very poignant moment but it's at the end well it is it is poignant and it is sad um it it's it's very um it's very great though i think this is a great episode it's a sad episode it's a very sad episode it's an episode about regret it's an episode about um wanting a second chance uh all these things i think that like uh yeah i really like the character of Annie, and uh, I'm gonna have to look up now uh, the name of the actress who who played her, um, so that we can all uh, know her name on television. And that would be Marsha Hunt, and she is um, she is still alive. She's 98 years old. So Marsha Hunt, uh, wonderful performance in Star Trek: The Next Generation, uh, too short a season. But um, <clears throat> I like some of the stuff in the beginning where she 
she comes aboard and and they're talking about uh it's you know we're well into the season and she was still talking you know we're still getting little uh kind of uh commentary on on the the enterprise and she says oh i wish we had uh, galaxy class starships uh when you were yeah, I thought that was yeah she's like i could have i could have been with you for most of your career and it brought up a really interesting reason why maybe a galaxy class starship was built because maybe it was dif too difficult for families to part with their loved ones for like five ten years at a time who knows five years at a time or whatever um and so that's kind of a cool little um a cool little line that gives you a little bit more um, insight, you know, into a larger a larger topic. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing I thought was, you know, when they have their argument um, was very important. Um, this is a woman who, you know, really truly did love this man despite his failings, but we do start to see his darker side. And she says, you know, he's always making decisions for the both of them. You know, he's very, again, uh, just a very sad individual very selfish very unaware um and then the quick results so i think admiral mark jameson is an example that sometimes and you know sometimes people can become very successful and rise to uh great ranks uh through um through uh through the shortcut way you know through through not like doing things the correct way necessarily or the right way necessarily and but it all comes back to haunt them and you know he dies full of regrets he mm -hmm. even doesn't even you know he doesn't even get to see these hostages freed um karnak exacts his revenge you know karnak feels satisfied and and you know admiral jameson at least he had annie holding him in her arms at the very least he had love and comfort in his death but otherwise it was a very very sad situation so that yeah um i, I think for me the highlight was the uh the phaser battle <laughs> yes. the first is no no it's not really the first phaser battle so far. but it was a good one this was, was a really good one. good one yeah and again it felt old trek classic trek yeah, it felt like something that, yeah, DC Fontana threw it in there because that's what would happen. They would go down a plan, they have a little phaser battle. And that was kind of cool. But um, again, nobody, none of the members of the cast seem very vested in this. Um, the fact that Dr. Crusher continually refers to uh, Jameson's wife as Anne by her first name rather than as Troy calls her uh, Mrs. Uh, Jameson. Jameson. Uh, implies that that you know Crusher and 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 Anne had more of a of a in the short time aboard the ship. You know, maybe there was a deleted scene or something where maybe you know they bonded over being married to men who were uh, in Starfleet. You know, right. uh, um, I mean, I can imagine a scene where you know Crusher could have said, "Well, you know, at least he 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 always did come home to you." Mine, my husband, at one, one, at one point, just didn't, and and we lost him. You know, you're lucky that at least he he lived to this age, and you you you're you're gonna be able to grow old together. I'll never have that with my husband. Um, but again, that we never see that. That's implied. Um, there's a lot that's implied in the episode, but we just don't get to see it. I, I think uh, there was probably a lot of potential here, but it just didn't. 
It didn't work. Um, I'm reading once again from my favorite uh, text here, the Star Trek Companion, and it um, it talks about a malfunctioning ten thousand uh, dollar chair, wheelchair, oh. <laughs> which is I think only moves once in the episode. It only moves once, and it's re- very reminiscent of the um, the chair in you know that Captain Pike has. Yeah, uh, but like updated, of course. But updated, right? And then um, actually, they refer to um, well, they refer to um, they recall the the guy whom they're in, uh, Rob Bowman, who's the director, remembers it as a sit and tell script that was long on dialogue. And problems included a subpar makeup look for the aged Admiral Jameson. What do you think about the makeup? Yeah, it was really creepy and weird uh, in the beginning. Um, he doesn't really... So old old Admiral Jameson definitely looks like he's in makeup. Um, I think that if I were a producer making the show today, I would probably cast different actors to play the different roles. I know it's a lot harder logistically to have maybe two or three different actors playing the role, but I think the payoff visually is so much better and more realistic. And that's how I would have done it. I think that the makeup was a little rushed. And then there's times where um, they have a close-up shot and then there's like, as he's de-aging and there's just like, you could just kind of tell that it's makeup and not wrinkles. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's like process prostheses. But that being said, again, it's like, you know, there's only so much you can do um, in a, in, you know, these are 45 minute episodes, you know, an hour, you know, hour long with commercials or whatever. And um, there's only so much you can do. I mean, they had a, they had a very small budget comparatively to other TV shows. Um, they had a lot of, you know, they had to create 23. These, these days, most shows are 10 episodes, uh, maybe 13 episodes a season. Uh, we have to remember that, um, when Star Trek The Next Generation aired, they, they were doing 23 to 24 episodes a season. Yeah. So it's a lot of, uh, a lot of demand. And so I guess they had to like just do the, the this was like the best they could do for, for what, they, what they could come up with. Interestingly enough, this episode was actually, even though it aired, you know, later, uh, this episode actually was filmed right after Hide and Q. Oh, interesting. Episode uh, number, well, I don't know why the the production numbers start with 100 but it's uh 112 so um you know i i think it it does kind of feel like you know people are still kind of unsure yeah it it, they hadn't gotten into the groove i think with the last two episodes that we've reviewed we can definitely say that star trek you know the next generation was starting to get into its groove this one kind of feels like a step back they not really, you know, not really sure about its characters. And, and again, none of the characters really have anything to do other than watch, other than observe. Uh, again, Patrick Stewart, uh, you know, being the actor that he is, um, manages to make something out of nothing. Um, you know, his reactions to, again, his rea- his. His his subtle reactions to Jameson uh, taking control of the away team, 
Uh, and then later on on the planet, when he um, he's trying to convince Karnak that yes, this is this man, yeah. um, which actually begs the question: Why were all of the discussions on uh, route, with the exception of the first one, done in darkness and silhouette? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, what's the point of having a visual communications when, you know, this guy was just constantly, I mean, it looked cool, but it was like, why are you like, how come Karnak never said, hey, man, I can't see you. I, you need, I need to see you, Jameson. Jameson. Uh, he was very good, that actor. The, the actor uh, who is a known actor, I, I know he's been on Star Trek before. Um, he just blustered his way through the whole thing, and it, it was it was very entertaining. Um that actor is Michael Pataki. Uh, he plays Karnas, by the way. It's not oh, Karnak. Oh, I, I keep calling him Karnak. Yeah, and unfortunately, he passed away in 2010. Oh. But he was in Rocky IV, Halloween, um, Remo Williams. He's been in a lot of... Yeah, he, he's one of those reliable... He's one of, these, one, of these, one of those reliable character actors. Uh, from that period, and um, it was nice seeing him there. But, um, you know, I, I can't really say much more about this episode. Well, I mean, there's not much more to say about it. Um, I will say, to your point earlier about the crew seeming to have uh, not much to do, I kind of like, I like the, you know, the, this reminds me of... Um, this reminds me of I, I'm gonna, this is going to be a terrible comparison, but the love boat. The crew often took a second seat to the guest stars on the episode, and in this situation, this is really a story about another person. And the Enterprise crew kind of just is like observing as they would, you know, like they're not they're not involved in the story very much. They're not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> your, your reaction, no one can see this right now, but the doctor is very appalled that I brought the love boat. Into well, this is kind of the anti-love boat episode because, I mean, the guy's a real dick towards his wife. and Right, right. But what I'm trying to say is that, like, it. I like that the story wasn't about the crew. I mean, the crew got a break from being amazing and just kind of got to be participants. And the story's really about Admiral Jameson. So it's like, I like it when a show does kind of go off center, if you will, and it focuses for an episode or for a little while on someone else. And there is a bigger story. I mean, um, you know, again, I don't know, I don't really delve too deeply into Star Trek Expanded Universe, um, but I wonder if there's a novel about Captain Jameson's career, you know, when he was Captain well, Jameson. And there is, like he does make an appearance in a, a Deep Space Nine novel uh, about the occupation of Bajor by the Cardassians. There you go. He went and negotiated something. I get, yes. I haven't read the novel, but I know he's a, he's a commander in that, in that novel. And we know he begins and ends his career in this like kind of sad way. You know, he has that successful negotiation, but it's it's done poorly with the arms. By the way, I think that was also very relevant because if I'm not mistaken, uh, around the same time, give or take a few years, I think take a few years more uh, than give. Oliver uh, North. Oliver North. Yeah. Wow. A name from the past. A name from the past, but for those of you who know what that reference is, is the Iran Contra, uh, the Iran um, Arms Contra scandal thing. <laughs> that's true. That, that it did evoke that. That's true. That's absolutely yeah. true. Um, and um, 
you know, the, the speech Picard gives, I mean, not just Jameson, but, but Karnas as well, you know, mm-hmm. saying, okay, yeah, he sold arms to the other side as well, but you, you could have stopped. Yeah, you could have. Uh, is a valid point. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I, I mean, you know, I saw it. I remember watching it when it first came out and thinking it was okay. Jameson, revenge is a dish best served cold. <laughs> we, we, it, we could have had a... It, it seems like it's an episode that was ripe for a little more acting of that caliber, you know? Uh, something to keep you going, but it just it just seemed kind of... It's kind of limp, kind of... You know, it, it was just okay. I, I, I think it, it's not a good example of the next generation. I think it's just okay. And I, I hope I, I, if I were to catch it on TV, I probably would not even watch it again. Oh, another, another one that you would skip. That's, that's fine. I mean, there's lots of episodes like that. Um, so just, uh, just out of curiosity on a, on a scale from, uh, from one to five, I think we do. Uh, where do you rank this episode? I give us a one, 1.5. 1.5. Really? I give it a th- good three stars. This is a three a three star episode for me. My God. Oh. Three. <sighs> Shocking. I loved it. I not loved it. I liked it. <laughs> that theme does resonate with you, doesn't it? <clears throat> well, it's very hard for me to not like Star Trek The Next Mission. It is my favorite Star Trek show, so you know. My gosh, <laughs> it's gonna be a rough trip, man. <laughs> there are I know I can't remember them, but I know that when we get to them, I'll I'll have very strong opinions about them. But there are episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation that I don't like. So, we'll hopefully we'll we'll encounter. Well, I already did. Actually, we already did. It was uh, yeah, that's right. You don't like uh, Code of Honor. Code of Honor, yeah. So, um. So I'm ready for the next one. <laughs> right. I know we can't do it now. I know we have to break and if you want. All right. Well, hold on. So let's end the show properly. <laughs> right. What do you think Golder Scott would? Oh, I think he would have really, I think he would have really been bored with most of the episode um, knowing him. And, but I think he would have enjoyed the phaser fight. Um, yeah. Interesting, you know, funny enough, uh, Deep Space Nine, you know, we do this other show called Drunk Space Nine, right? And in a weird way, uh, Drunk Space Nine seems to be paralleling uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. Really? Yeah, because wow. we just reviewed the episode The Passenger, which you saw. We'll do a quick Deep Space Nine. Oh, yeah, oh, Passenger? Yeah. Passenger was a good episode, though. It's a fantastic episode, but again, here comes that theme of, like, how do you live longer, right? The 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 oh, villain in that episode is obsessed. That is, that is a good peril. That yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so you're it's right. an interesting little parallel. Although two different, you know, times in, right. in Star right. Trek. And stuff. Yeah, that, that I, I really liked, if, if I may intrude a little on 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 drunks, on, on drunks, <laughs> I, I yeah. really liked them to make the, the chick who was following the um, the the criminal the oh space cop we call her space, space cop okay space cop was great <laughs> I don't know why she never came back because she's space cop she's off doing uh, she was following this guy for twenty years the better part of twenty years 
and now it's like now she can retire. <laughs> it was great. It was kind of it reminded that episode reminded me of the fugitive. You know, it's kind of kind of like ripping off you know the end of the fugitive. You know, a little bit, yeah, a little bit. You know, with her being Gerard, I guess, and and then I love the ending where it's like, are you turning over the prisoner to me? And Cisco's like, yes, you can do whatever. And it's like, you know, blows the damn thing up. Yes. I thought that was great. I loved it. Um, and uh, yeah, well, I don't want to review another. No, I, we will eventually. Starfleet boy will eventually uh, cross over into Deep Space Nine. But I not, think, not for a while. Yeah, I think after Next Generation, we're going to do the original series. And then we'll go to Deep Space Nine. So it's going to be well, a few you years. You guys can cross over into Starfleet boy sooner because obviously you will hit crossover episodes before oh that's right because starfleet boy won't hit a crossover until season six six yep but you guys i'm sure there's a a crossover episode um if i may recommend because i know you already passed vosh (laughs) and q if i may recommend the thomas Riker episode that could be a potential. Oh, I don't. That character that. did originate on, on Next Generation. Interesting. I didn't even remember that he was even on that show. So that's going to be great to to see that. No, you don't remember that one. No, I don't remember that. So wrapping up Starfleet Boys, the review of Star Trek: The Next Generation's too short a season. We thought that it was too short. It was not too short an episode for the Doctor. Uh, it was also uh, the doctor thought that the crew didn't really do much. Um, I argued that the story was really not about the crew, and I like that. Uh, and so the next episode is when the bow breaks. So we'll uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs> nice. <laughs>